It's almost time for the 61st ACB Annual Convention, and convention time also means ACB Auction Time. This year's auction will be held on Saturday, June 18th, beginning at 6 p.m. Central Time. It's your chance to bid on crafts, jewelry, technology, and those ever-popular food items, including some delicious baked goods. Participation is easy. If you're registered for the convention, you're automatically registered to bid. You can join in on Zoom or tune into ACB Media to catch all the action. If you want to get in on some early deals, the ACB Appetizer Auction is for you. It'll take place June 16th and 17th with lots of great items up for bid throughout both days. All proceeds will benefit ACB membership and the ACB community. Watch your email for more auction details or contact Leslie Spoon if you have any questions her email address is Leslie Spoon at CFL.RR.com. That's Leslie Spoon at CFL.RR.com. Let's have some fun while raising money to support ACB. See you at the auction June 18th, beginning at 6 p.m. Central Time. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi, everyone. This is Julie Brannon, and I'm really excited about tonight's presentation. About a day ago, I lost my voice, so I will try and speak loud, but my co-presenter, Artis Basin, will talk probably more than me. We're really excited about this. When we were in one of our leadership uh, committee meetings, we realized the convention was coming up soon and there may be some people on the fence about attending. So we thought what a neat idea to find some leaders within ACB who can talk to us about attending the ACB convention and how that propelled their leadership journey. So that's basically what we're gonna to do tonight. We have three marvelous panelists that artists will introduce that will give us some input. And if anyone out there hasn't registered yet, it closes June 20th, now's your chance to be thinking, wow, what a wonderful arrow to put in my arsenal for me to become a leader. Thank you very much. Okay, we've invited three panel members, uh, Chris Gray, uh, Cindy Hollis, and Paul Edwards. I had originally planned to ask the question, and then uh, we were going to ask a question and have each one of you answer. Um, but since Paul isn't on yet, um, perhaps we'll let the two of you answer, and then when Paul comes on, then he can just answer all four of them for us. Um, the first question I'd like you each answer is, do you remember the first uh, convention you attended? And was there anything in that first convention attended that spurred you to think about becoming more a leader in ACB or even on ACB affiliate? And who do you want to go first? Well, why don't you, Chris, do you want to go first since you were the first one on and then uh, Cindy? And then please do let me know the other Cindy, if, you know, Paul comes on, so we know. I will. Okay, thanks. Okay, yeah, I'm Chris Gray, and uh, do I remember? <laughs> Absolutely, I remember the first convention that uh, I attended. It was the 1976 convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. I was 24 years old, and, uh, but before getting into the details about that, let me say that I had an opportunity, in a sense, a geographic opportunity 
to attend the 1972 convention in Portland, Oregon. But as committed as I was to ACB at the local level, uh, I was an undergraduate student. I was poor <laughs> and I couldn't find anybody to go with me. And uh, even though it was only three hours away, and I could do by bus and uh, was in a hotel in downtown Portland, Oregon. I just couldn't go. Uh, I often think back about that and <laughs> wonder if I had found a way to go, if in fact I would have continued to go since 1972. Anyway, we'll never know that. And it's, it's not that important, really. But I just mentioned that as a, a, a bit of history. I did it. I became, well, I got the audio tapes of the 1972 convention. And Kim Charlson gave a speech there as a student. There were many other people who spoke there. And it was really awesome to hear these voices, hear these people. And I was like kicking myself, why didn't I go to that convention? But it, as I say, it was not economically in the cards at all. So, but it made me feel a part of ACB. And because of that feeling, I wrote Derwood McDaniel in uh, early 1976, wrote him a braille letter and said, would you be able to use an intern in the ACB national office. I'll do whatever you need me to do. Uh, I will do it for free because I had a college scholarship to be an intern somewhere, anywhere, as long as it was national in scope. And uh, I thought, you know, maybe maybe this would be a good thing to do. And I, I had met Durward. He was out at our WCB convention in 1971, I think, maybe two. Anyway, he wrote back and said yes. And they would try and make a little funding available for me to do certain activities, yada, yada, yada. So on June the 14th of 1976, I flew to Washington, DC. A place had been set up for me to stay there at a, a residential hotel, which thankfully for young people doesn't exist anymore. And uh, I began working at ACB doing what what I was asked to do, going to Congress, reporting on meetings, testifying before subcommittees. And uh, Derwood kept saying, I really want to get you to the convention in uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas. I'm working with Floyd Qualls, who was then the president, and we're trying to find the funding to get you there. Um, at like two or three days before the convention began, the funding had been organized and my ticket had been miraculously bought. Maybe it was easier to buy tickets at that time. I was on a, uh, a little airline at that time called Frontier Airline flying turboprops terrifying experience these were the noisiest shakiest crazy things i'd ever been on in my life and uh so here i was and i had to transfer somewhere i'll think where in a while it doesn't matter but i got to acb 
and what a warm and welcoming group of people I found there. Uh, very few I had talked to on the phone as an intern. Some I had heard about them from the 72 convention tapes, but uh, I was drawn into the convention, and I mean literally <laughs> drawn into it by Bernice Kandarian. And she was like, you're young, you're a student, you're a member of a student organization, and we need you. So she introduced me to all kind of people, uh, people who became active or who were active at the time in ACB. Andrew Woods, who was the president of the student group at that time, but who passed away from cancer about th five years later. Um, Bernice, of course. Uh, Mac Riley, Californians may know him. He was the first president of the Blind Student Organization. And uh, then moving far afield from that, I got appointed. I was the only representative from Washington, by the way, that year. Boy, are things different today. But I got, I got appointed to be on the credentials committee. I learned a great deal there about how ACB membership and uh, working on their affiliate uh, level was, was handled. I uh, was buttonholed by people who wanted Washington's two votes for candidates. One of the candidates I remember was Del Allman. Del Allman was running for, for office and uh, Otis Stevens found me in a room of, of people. We were, we were, well, we were socializing. I'll put it that way. And Otis introduced himself. Of course, he was on the board at that time. And he said, Chris, we really need your vote and went on to talk about Dell and so forth. And Dell won. So it gave me a sense of, of real belonging, real ability to do something in the organization at the affiliate level, as well as at the individual level. You know, my reason for getting money to go to the convention was to sell a book. A guy named Leonard Robinson had written a book was published in 1975 called Light at the Tunnel's End. Durward gave me a case of 20 copies of this hardback book in a valise. And he said, see if you can sell them for us. If not, just bring them back, no big deal. And uh, I was so grateful to, to be able to go there. And uh, I said, Durward, you know, I really don't know how to thank you for this. It really means a lot to me. He says, oh, cut it out. <laughs> he was embarrassed. He said, look, I'm bringing you there, of course, to sell books. But my biggest reason is very selfish. I know if you come to one ACB convention, you will never stop coming. And that's what I want. And uh, he was correct. He was correct. <clears throat> my, I went to every national convention from 1976 to the present. Of course, we've had uh, a few virtual conventions. Do we count those? I think so. There was one convention in Minneapolis in like 2017, I forget the year exactly. And uh, I'd had to have some major surgery and I 
I couldn't attend. Believe me, I attended every session online. And in a sense, that was the virtual convention. It was a wonderful experience. I could go on and on about it, who I met, who I dealt with. I think I want to conclude, though, by commenting at that time in particular, but even so today, ACB is made up of one of the friendliest group of people you'll ever meet in your life. And I thought, I'm an intern. I'm responsible to know more about ACB. And I don't know a lot of people. I'm not sure where to go. Well, there was a pool, so I went there. Um, but I would walk up and down my hall and I heard people partying. And uh, their doors were open, so I wasn't intruding. And I went in and that's where I met all kinds of ACB leaders of that time. And did they mind my being there? Absolutely not. They were so welcoming, so kind. Uh, they even gave me beers. <laughs> and uh, it, it made me realize what I was a part of. Now, maybe other organizations are that way, and they probably are. But as an ACB member, I can't tell you what that meant to me and how much I appreciated it. And uh, so that's my story in brief, maybe not so brief, but anyway, um, I, I just learned so much about ACB, felt the camaraderie and the friendship, the kindness, the caring for one another of that organization at that time. And while we've become bigger over the years and some of that aspect of the early days has dissipated, it's still there. It's still ACB. And to be honest, I think this year may be a little smaller than it's been. And many may be able to feel that great embraceable partnership that we have as ACB. So those are my comments, hopefully not too long artists. And uh, well, they, you answered uh, at least the first couple of them already. So <laughs> and probably part of the other two. But Cindy, do you right. want to answer Artists, the... um, Paul has arrived. Okay, great, super, super. Okay, then we'll let Cindy answer the, the first question and then Paul, you okay. can answer the first question afterwards. I'll, I'll repeat it again. Um, can you what was okay? the first convention that you attended? Yes. And did, um, did that help influence you into getting involved in leadership or did it take you longer than that? Well, the short answer is yes, it influenced me and it took longer. Um, but my expanded answer would be that in 1994, I was selected as our first timer from Washington uh, WCB to go to the National Convention in Chicago, Illinois. And I will just say um, I was on the board uh, for WCB. And I, I don't know that I even realized at that time what leadership in the organization was I, I wanted to be. I just didn't know how. Um, and uh, But I went to the convention, and it was 
amazing and overwhelming. And I remember picking out Yeda. You, there was no online registration, so um, it was you know done by paper. And I bought tickets for everything that sounded great, and didn't realize that some of them took place at the same time, and I couldn't split myself up to go to multiple things. So at the same time, so I had a lot of wasted tickets, and but I was just focused on making it through the convention and in awe of everything that was going on around me and I never imagined being a part of national leadership uh, in any way shape or form and but I did want to be a part of my state affiliate I will say that if I fast forward to the 2000 convention, which was my third convention, and um, I went there with my two daughters and my mom, and there were a lot of kids at that convention. And I'm bringing this up because <clears throat> this was a transforming convention for me. and. Um, the kids were getting into trouble. People were complaining about them. They were riding the elevators. This was in Louisville, Kentucky. <clears throat> and they were playing uh, elevator operator, you know, what floor would you like, and pushing the buttons. And they just didn't have anything to do. And so uh, other parents were saying, there's just no activities for kids. So the long and short is that I started asking questions about how to write a resolution and I got the gist of it I went back to my room I drafted a resolution this shows you I mean I felt pretty I think I was pretty naive but I went to the resolutions committee I presented my resolution I had to hmm, I'd advocate for my resolution um, and turn uh, some opinions and then I had to advocate on the floor and in the end that resolution passed <clears throat> and it became the Youth Activity Center which now I believe is called Kids Club and uh, and that was a really empowering moment for me and it uh, also provided my first opportunity to serve on a committee I ended up uh, being the coordinator of that program for the first two years and um, you know at at the same time I was moving up in uh, my leadership in my state affiliate but and then eventually uh, joined the Board of Publications uh, in ACB but it, I think that uh, you know soaking it all in learning observing all of that played a pivotal role uh, in influencing me as a leader in our state affiliate, in uh, a special interest affiliate I was president of, which is now ACB Families, and um, and then definitely in my role as chairs of committees and on the board of publications. So uh, I'll stop there and I'll let you
go to Paul. Paul, would you like to answer that question? Hello. Yes, I would. <laughs> so my situation was a little bit different than uh, than than Chris's and Cindy's. Um, I um, hung hung out from the time that I came to the United States in Florida. And I lived in Daytona, and I was um, a participant in our state organization from 1977 on. So, um, Chris, please note that that you have me beat in terms of the time you started coming to conventions. That's exciting, but. Um, Almost <clears throat> shocking. Yes, when, when I, um, so I was minding my own business in Florida and the president of the American Council of the Blind came to our convention and observed me doing resolutions. And he, he said, uh, uh, Mr. Edwards, I really want you to come to convention. I think, I think we can afford to pay you fifty bucks if you'll come. And um, so I said, I, I, you know, I like resolutions anyway, so I'll come. So um, this was in 1984 in Philadelphia, and I arrived to find that um, Grant had not just made me a member of the resolutions committee, which was which was pretty scary to begin with, but I was chair. <laughs> and so here is this guy who's, who's sort of taken resolutions fairly seriously. And I think resolutions are very valuable. And, and as folks know, I have, I've played a part in them for an awfully long time um, in the American Council of the Blind. But suddenly here I am on this huge stage doing um, doing doing resolutions and according to bunches of people at ACB doing all the wrong things. You're calling on the wrong people. Don't you know anything about the folks you're supposed to be asking for? <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, it was, uh, but uh, what, what did it do in terms of, uh, in terms of my leadership? Uh, I think, uh, well, the con I think the convention is 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 really as as everybody has already suggested. I think uh, an enchanting place, and once you're addicted, um, there's very little you can do. I am not aware of any convention that I've missed since 1984. Um, so that's uh, that's, that's, that's a lot of conventions under the bridge. I think that. Um, I think that there are three quick comments that I'd make about uh, about the, the way it impacted uh, my notion of leadership. First, I, I really felt um, excited uh, about what what resolutions was doing at the national level. I'd had some experience with it at the at the state level, but I had folks like Scott Marshall and and, and other folks who helped me at the committee level. Um, to understand just how important resolutions are in, in creating the policy and, and the actions that directly impact uh, what a national organization is going to do and how blind people are going to be treated and reacted to throughout, throughout the country. So just as, just as Cindy um, came to our resolutions committee and persuaded us that she had a good idea, um, and, and, and actually saw her resolution implemented and saw it turn into 
what is uh, what are some of the most exciting components of of the convention i certainly felt that being a part of the les- resolutions process was was exciting and and really pretty inspiring and and i guess the last thing that i would say is what coming to an, an acb convention did for me was to was to put together in one place a huge number of blind people, many of whom were probably a lot more competent than I was, and many of whom, um, many of whom had uh, had abilities and talents and challenges that were very different from those that I faced, and it helped me to arrive at an opinion that ACP was primarily responsible for forming for me which is I didn't have to be judged by what sighted people thought. There was a large enough community of blind people for me to judge myself against the standards of other folks who were like me and who had the same issues and problems that I had. So one of the reasons that I come back to convention every year and and get involved is because I get an opportunity to renew my sense of involvement in in the value that is being part of an organization of folks um, who shared the same vision I have, which is a vision of people who are blind doing really cool things because we can. Thank you, Paul. Okay, next I want to ask you um, all, did meeting ACB leaderships inspire you into becoming a leader? And then um, after that, you can tell us uh, what leadership roles did you um, start doing once you went to an ACB convention? Um, um, what, uh, what roles you did take? Because not everybody on this call probably knows all three of you, you know, that well. So, uh, Chris, you want to go first again? Yeah, sure. I can do that. Um, you know, it, it, I was inspired, of course, I w- had been inspired by meeting, meeting Durward in, in Washington, D.C., and Reese Robron, who was the second president of ACB. And at the convention, I met Floyd Qualls, who was the third president, and Oral Miller and many people. And that was very inspiring to me, A, to meet them, and B, to see how they did what they did and think, could I be? a part of of those activities. In 1978, I ran for the board of directors of ACB and was actually elected, uh, heaven forbid to ACB. No, just kidding. (laughs) I was elected uh, to be uh, a member of the board of directors. I served for two years, but in those two years I had moved to Virginia uh, and Washington DC area and uh, you can only have one, could only have one director from that area on the board. And uh, so given that there was another person who became a director, I had to relinquish my seat, even though I'd only had it, you know, for a short amount of time, that didn't matter. Um, And I didn't mind it, you know, I I was fine with that. So, from that time on, I became, I stayed very active in ACB, not necessarily in the right order, um, 
I was chair of the Board of Publications for six years. I was president of the Visually Impaired Data Processors Group for four years. Um, and I was very active in other organizations. I was president of the Braille Revival League for at least two years, maybe four, but I think maybe two. Anyway, and then uh, moving along as time went on, I became president of ACB in 2001 through 2007. So uh, I was affected. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. And I think artists, that's probably, I hope I've answered the whole question. If not, let me know. But that's what I would yes, say. Yes, you did. No, that was great. Thanks. About that question. Okay. All right. Um, leaders. I mean, I'm, I'm up here with two of them. <laughs> um, and honored to be up here. Um, you know, Chris was one of the first people I met at one of my first state conventions. I remember sitting next to him at at the banquet, and I had a, a young child at home. Uh, she was probably six months or something, and I, maybe a, a year and a half, I don't know. And Chris is the first person to ever tell me about being able to purchase books to read to my daughter um, and to watch him uh, move into leadership at ACB. That was also empowering and inspiring. Um, but I remember, you know, my those first few conventions, watching Paul at work up at the podium uh, and also in resolutions and um, and and MJ Schmidt who uh, I just thought she was a, a just such a powerful woman and um, uh, just enjoyed uh, enjoyed observing her and she was tough and smart and um, and then there were people in my state affiliate, uh, Burl Colley, who this Leadership Institute is named after, was probably my greatest mentor. Um, so <clears throat> uh, leadership roles, I served as president of the Washington Council of the Blind for eight years, non-consecutively, two two-year terms in a row with four years a four-year break in between and then I also served on the Board of Publications for four years and I served as president of Council of Families with Visual Impairment now ACP Families for three years and I have chaired uh, the Awards Committee co-chaired the Auction Committee and served on several other committees for ACB and now am just really honored to be able to work with leaders in ACB um, all of our affiliate presidents and and the members and hopefully prospective members in my role with ACB as a staff member so that would be me 
Okay, Paul, how about you? <clears throat> Thank you. So I guess uh, I guess I was amazed at uh, a number of the people who I began to work with almost um, almost immediately after my involvement you know on 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 resolutions uh, as i said i had people like scott marshall but i also had folks like michael byington later mitch, mitch pomerantz and um um chris always used to find his way down to resolutions because either he or judy usually had resolutions that they wanted to try to push and so i i, I often got an opportunity to get to know chris better and uh, I, I guess I was slightly on a on a different side of the house because the folks, I mean, I I was uh, I, I became really good friends with Otis Stevens and with um, um, and with uh, Brian and Kim and and oh gosh, just a bunch of other leaders who who really inspired me because of the range of things that they were doing, and of course. Um, one of my big mentors in ACB was Leroy Saunders, who sometimes I think doesn't get the credit he deserves because he was a very plain spoken guy, but, but he moved ACB forward in some, in some really exciting ways. Um, gosh, I, I have done a fair number of things in ACB. Um, like Chris, I, I was a president. I was also, um, first vice president of ACB by mistake. And that was all MJ Schmidt's fault. And I won't go into the whole story. I'm sure Chris knows it. Um, but it was, uh, it, it, it was a, um, it, it, I, I never expected to be first vice president of ACB. I was part of five or six people who were running for a position and ended up to my great surprise actually winning. Um, I think I've also been president of the, the Braille Revival League several times. I've been president and first vice president of library users. Um, I uh, was chair of the Board of Publications and also have served on the Board of Publications um, on a number of occasions. Um, I um, have been have been active, have remained active in, in resolutions and really have enjoyed that. And, and I guess what I would say to, to folks who are thinking of leadership is, and, and maybe Chris and Cindy will comment on this as well, but if, if you want to understand what ACB is all about, come to a couple of resolutions committee meetings and even coming to them online as we're holding them now is well worth doing because it gives you an opportunity to see how ACB builds its set of ideas, the set of values that they are going to attempt to sell to other people. And it's, it's the way that you actually see the policies that end up being at the heart of what your organization does uh, getting developed. And it's, it's, it's well worth playing at that game, but I'll, I'll shut up for now. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, then I want to ask the, the final question is, um, how important is attending an ACB uh, convention in regard to building your, your leadership development for yourself in leadership in the future? 
Chris, oh, would you like to go first? That's that's a tough one. That's a tough one. You know, I have done most of the things I wanted to do in ACB in the sense of BOP and I've been state president, so I didn't even mention that before. And I'll, I'm active now, once again, in California. Um, I would say at 68 years of age, what I want to do most in ACB is find ways to build new leaders, next gen. Man, that is a, that's a cool deal. Um, not that I don't wanna be involved in ACB, of course I do, but you know, I've done so much in ACB and had those experiences and had have that be a part of my life. There are things I do now in ACB. For example, I'm chair of the ACB Oral History and Written Archives Committee. But I don't feel maybe the drive to do certain things that I did in the past. What I want to do is help new people exercise their potential, see what they can do see who they are and and come and fill the roles that that so many people kim brian paul cindy you got a ways to go hon sorry about that <laughs> you're not out of the woods yet but you know younger people and we've got a lot of younger people in acb who can do great things um i'm not out of the game i don't want to say that but I would prefer to bring people into the game than continue to, you know, work on achieving this and achieving that. I've, I've, I've achieved a lot. I'm proud of it. I'm most proud of ACB. Thank you, Chris. Um, how about you, Cindy? Well, first of all, I want to thank Chris for not considering me too old, and uh, I appreciate that greatly, and you made my day. Um, so how important is convention to someone's you know, path of leadership? I don't think it all rests on convention. Uh, it, it's that in and of itself doesn't, you know, leadership is not just about convention or vice versa. I think that if you are going to be a leader on a national level, you would absolutely want to observe firsthand and be a part of and learn uh, who the people are that you would serve because leadership is not about a position. It's about serving and we serve people and so in this organization uh, the convention is the place where we get to really feel learn and you know take in and interact with those people that eventually we will serve if we become a leader in one way shape or form and a lot of it you can take in virtually and now we can also listen to it on ACB media and I think that that's wonderful it it does not replace though being there in person we all know that right so I think that that there is you know some great importance there I think that advice would be uh, 
if you are interested in growing up into leadership in ACB, whether it be at an affiliate level or within the national organization that you involve yourself, uh, you find your place. And if that place you first find doesn't fit, you find another place. You find people who can help you along. You ask good questions. And you make sure you surround yourself with people that are going to encourage you. Uh, one of the things that I believe today that's different than 10 years ago, 20, 30, 40 years ago, uh, is the community. And it has opened the door to bringing in people of all ages, including young people, to participate at a national level that may never have done so before if, if it had not been for the community. And we are watching people learn to host. They're facilitating uh, you know, calls on a regular basis. And I cannot even count how many people have said to me, I would have never, I could never have imagined myself doing this, but now here I am. And then they're bringing on something else and something else and they're adding on to it. And what I say to you who has done that, these are different stepping stones that Paul and Chris and I took, but they are still stepping stones nonetheless. This community and you are serving it is a national program in ACB and you are each taking part in it and so now let it propel you further whatever that journey is that you want to take and even you know 20 years ago um, there was no DKM program I, I'm not sure exactly how old it is but uh, I don't believe it existed 20 years ago. And so here we've got, you know, leadership fellows and there's all these opportunities for folks to uh, come to their first convention or to come to a convention as a leadership fellow and um, it, that maybe would not have been able to afford to come otherwise. And I would just say that it's like the ocean is out there and it's all there for you for your taking and uh, I just want to encourage you don't go hide in a room when you're at convention be a part of it all absorb it all soak in the Sun when it's that moment jump in and jump on a wave when it feels right and and enjoy the ride so that's that's my take and I'll pass it to Paul. Thank you. <laughs> so I don't think I don't think that any of us really know um, how important conventions are because I think they're changing a lot. Um, how much of a difference is it actually going to make that more than half of the people who are attending our conventions now, and probably for the foreseeable future, will be attending on Zoom, will be virtual attendees rather than in-person ones. How much will that change the character 
of our convention and how much will it alter its importance? I don't, I don't think we know yet. I don't know whether Chris and Cindy want to jump in on that issue, but I think that, that one of the things that we need to recognize is there is no going back. ACB has fundamentally altered the way it operates. Chris and I um, grew up in ACB in an environment where special interests and state affiliates were really the drivers of the bus. I'm not so sure that's as much the case anymore. I think there is much more driving happening at the national level, which is gradually altering the character of ACB. Um, and I think that as a result of that, the conventions over the next two or three years in particular are going to tell us a lot about what the shape of the new ACB is going to be like. I want to kind of kind of end by 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 trying to at least come to terms with with the last part of the question um, that, that artists raised. I, I think that in terms of creating a leadership path, um, the convention is still pretty important, um, but it but it isn't important, I think, in the same way. So it doesn't really matter whether you're being heard on Zoom or whether you are being or, or whether you're being seen in person anymore. And one of the things that's interesting is a lot of the newest members of the ACB Board of Directors are in fact people who really came to prominence um, after COVID. And, and I think that's largely the result of the fact that ACB is no longer on show as it typically used to be simply at convention. But because of the ACB community, people are actually up there performing um, every day and every week of the year. You know, I am, I am doing three different uh, ACB calls right now, one for library users, one for BRL, and one called Tuesday Topics. And all three of them, I think, um, probably, probably have helped so that um, this old man is not as quickly forgotten as he might otherwise have been. And, and I make the point not, not because I think I'm special for doing these things, but rather because I, I say that um, it isn't just at conventions anymore um, that people get to know us because so many people within ACB have embraced community. And, and at the moment, I think the way that you become a leader is not nearly so dependent on conventions as it used to be, but I still wouldn't miss them. And I won't miss them because I think the most important, one of the most important things about ACB is the opportunity of sharing ideas and camaraderie in a, in a, in a social space um, is one of the most important and, and vital things for people who are blind to do, to reinforce the sense of who we are as a group and to develop and implement a, a, a sense of what blind people can become, which we can share with others. That's what mm -hmm. ACB is all about. And it's really what our convention's all about. Yeah, you Thank know, you, if, Paul. Yes, if I could well just said. piggyback on very something. Well oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. No, no. I, I was just saying very well said. 
Yeah, I was just gonna. I, I was just gonna say. I, I mean, I loved it. Um, but one of the things that I, I, and I agree with is the what's changed when I first took the job with ACB three years ago. Tomorrow, by the way. Uh, <laughs> um, is that. I, you know, if somebody contacted me in August and wanted to know about ACB and what, you know, how could they get involved and you tell them about affiliates and, but our convention wasn't for another 11 months, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. yep. uh, so, or in eight months or whatever it might be. Today, and every affiliate can use the community now to do this, but every day, holidays included, doesn't matter if it's a Sunday, there is stuff going on in ACB 365, right? And and it can be heard on ACB Media. So we've, we've got this huge, you know, venue that's open all of the time. And it has made ACB, I think, alive and more real to many of our members who never could afford to go to the in-person convention. Now they they know ACB. They 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 know it. And uh, that doesn't take away though going in person. Believe me, I can't wait to be there in <laughs> Omaha. I agree with you. I can't <laughs> wait to be there either. I, I know uh, uh, for me personally, uh, when I went to a national convention, I was really inspired by the leaders. And I and learned about special interest affiliates, which I had never learned about until I got to the national. Mm. So that that was you know important to me. But I want to leave it open for the, the audience now. Um, you can either ask a question of one of our speakers or you can make a comment, etc. Um, Cindy, would you like to see if there's any raised hands? Yes, you have two. Okay. Um, okay, Jamaica, you may unmute. Okay, you are. You can unmute. Jamaica is one of the most regular participants in communities. She's often at Tuesday yeah, Topics, often on Braille Buzz Calls. Jamaica's amazing. Okay, I have given you permission, Jamaica. I hope you hit the got it button when you got on. Now you're unmuted. There you go. Hello, this is uh, Jamaica, and I have a question about, um, this is for Paul for uh, for few, for 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 a future resolution, should I be at the at the in person convention when I when I pre, when I try to present my resolution, or should I be, uh, or can I be on Zoom for to discuss the resolution that I want to try to put well, put together? <laughs> you can't do it. You can't do it this year. <clears throat> but what I would what I would recommend that you do is right after this convention is over, get hold of someone from the resolutions committee and talk about your ideas and, and, and we will help you work to put it together. And the way the resolutions committee is operating now, it's really interesting. It's like so much that's been a result of the community. You know, I just spent an hour and a half um, sitting in resolutions and we had members 
uh, of the audience who are participating and helping us shape the resolutions that we're writing. So people are far more involved in resolutions now than they ever were in the time that we would work until two or three or four in the morning, <laughs> which was the which was the which was commonplace. I mean, mm -hmm. sometimes later than that too. Um, but but Jamaica, the way the way to do it is get hold of any member of the of the uh, committee. And Gabe Griffith from California is the current chair, and he's really good at getting back to folks. So just send him an email, and and he'll get back to you. And he may even assign one of us to work with you after the convention's over. Okay. All right. Th th thank you so much. You're so welcome, Miss Jamaica. Yeah. Okay. Um, Craig, you may unmute. Hello, everybody. Um, glad to be on here with you guys tonight. Quickly, um, I just want to, first of all, thank uh, Paul Edwards for you and the resolutions committee letting me come in and help, you know, wordsmith and craft resolutions. It's, it's been fun. And I don't know, maybe I would want to be on that committee in some years. Um, Cindy, I love what you said about servant leadership. And I just want to say, and you've heard me say this so much, um, that um, you have empowered me um, to be, a Zoom host and a webinar host and to do things that I didn't know that I, you know, could do. And, and ACB has just given me, I've been involved in so many committees. Um, I guess my question is at the, what's, what's my next step for a flourishing leader, you know, like I want to be, I mean, maybe just keep doing the things that I'm doing, right? Just keep doing the next thing that I put my mind to and um, being involved in these affiliates. I don't know. Do you guys have any next steps? Well, you're, you're already doing a lot of things at the affiliate level, which is amazing. And I think that's a perfect start. I guess my thought for you, are you serving on an ACB national committee yet? No, and I want to be. Well, yes. there you go. So that would be um, something I think you might want to consider. And at convention, Greg, uh, you and I need to sit down. Let's just sit down and have a cup of coffee and or whatever you want to drink. But, you know, for me, it would be coffee. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I love and, it. Uh, and we could talk about the different committees and your interest. And Dan will be asking people to let him know of their interest in serving soon after the convention. And so, you know, you could uh, really give it some thought. And, um, and I think that'd be a great next step. Yeah. You know, I think Cindy, I... Uh... I'm saying the same thing as you, but maybe in a little tiny different way. I wouldn't use the word interest. I would say, what is your passion? What that you're not doing today would you like to do? I know early on for me, I was, I was a writer. I was an aspiring writer. I knew that I wanted to do something involved in writing. I'd written several articles for the Braille Forum. And so I came onto the BOP. 
Now that doesn't have to be your road. Uh, maybe yours is something totally, totally different, but what is the thing you want to do most that you're not doing right now? Think about that. And, and I guess my advice would be, if you're going to convention, one of the opportunities that you should really take is to attend meetings of different special interest affiliates that you think might be of some interest to you. Um, because coming up through the ranks in special interest affiliates is also a way um, to become more involved. And it's also a way to get, to get better known because most of us, particularly the good ones, are um, are are doing a lot between conventions. So it's not just like it it used to be, perhaps way back when, that special interest affiliates operated a convention, and that was essentially it. That's oh, he's part of it. Anymore. He's part of Next Gen and students. So he's nice. He's nice. involved yeah. in yes. and busy. Um, good. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And he's coming yeah. as a first timer this year, guys. Nice. Yeah, as a DKM. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, Great. Nice. I'm, Super. Yeah. I'm, I'm blessed. So thank you very much uh, for all of your answers. Thank okay. you. Okay, artists, you have a little over one minute left, and okay, you have so one I hand just, up. No, I think I will go with the reminders. I want to okay. remind you all that uh, the uh, the um, uh, Leadership Institute is, uh, has some upcoming presentations. Two of them at the convention. Um, the one is going from Brave Spaces from safe places to brave places and the other ones do you belong here uh creating a, a diverse a diverse a culture where you feel uh you want to belong and then in august uh the leadership institute is doing a presentation on august 11 on um how um going to the convention now what how can you become involved in affiliates um so i want you to uh, Go to those and join us, and we welcome you to um, come to all and ask questions always. <laughs> thank you. I'd like to say thank you, too. This is Julie with my horrible voice. Thank you, all you speakers, for <laughs> coming on and doing such excellent, excellent presentations. 